0: Turn with me if you've brought your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29 at verse 1 will be our text, one verse of scripture. A copy of the outline and the fill in the blanks to the message should be in your bulletin. And uh, it's good to be back in Tennessee. I bring you greetings from North Carolina. And by the way, Tennessee won a game last night, amen? (laughs) I thought Peyton Manning was going to have to come out of retirement again, but uh, anyway, It's good to be back here at True Life Church and to be preaching from your pastor's pulpit. What an honor and a privilege. Jimmy and I and uh, Cindy, we all go back, and Robin, we go back, uh, gosh, what, over 20 years since seminary. And uh, boy, the stories that I could tell about your pastor. And if you've come in late by chance um, and uh, you didn't hear the announcements, I'm the guest guest. Preacher for today, so you want to come back next week and see and hear the real preacher, Jimmy Inman. <laughs> Jimmy is the real preacher. made a couple notes from last night, and I want to tell you that you need to definitely come back next week and hear Jimmy, because he is the real preacher. He's a better preacher than me. He has a better preaching style than me. He also is much better looking than me, and he also has better hair than me. At least these are the things he told me last night at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to be <laughs> And he used to be He used to be uh, more athletic than me, but a couple years ago I found out and maybe you don't know this. Um, he was playing basketball in his living room on his little five foot little tykes basket basketball, and he was practicing his dunks and he hurt his knee and had to have surgery <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, thing I ever <laughs> <laughs> the verse of scripture. That the Lord laid on my heart, in all seriousness, is a very, very serious verse of scripture. It's one of the most sobering verses of scripture for me in all of the Bible. The title of our message is Crossing God's Deadline. We're going to look this morning at the love of God and the other side of God, the other attributes of God is not only is God loving and compassionate. He's forgiving. He wants you to come to Jesus in salvation and to be with him in heaven when you die. But he gives you a choice. And we talk often about what salvation is. And to understand salvation and being saved, we have to understand what we're saved from. God doesn't want anybody to perish or to go to hell. He's made a provision for you to be in heaven if you you will accept the free gift of salvation in Jesus. But God doesn't make robots. He gives you a free will. And we're going to look at that free will that he's given you today. Again, the title of our message is Crossing God's Deadline, Proverbs 29.1. And our verse of scripture reads, he who is often rebuked, and I'm reading from the New King James, he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Once again, he who is often, this word rebuked can be reproved or warned. He who is often rebuked or warned, but yet shows stubbornness and hardens his neck. And here's the other side of God that we're going to talk about will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy remedy. God gives us warning signs in our lives. He reproves us and rebukes us. God gives us warning signs. I I have a car and it's interesting the technology that we have in our automobiles. On my dash, a sign came up that indicated my tires needed to be inflated. What actually had happened was I hit a pothole and it broke one of the belts on my left front tire and I was losing air. And so there was a warning sign that I had to heed and do something about. And um, I imagine maybe some of you have ever, if you've ever had that engine light come on. Now that's very serious. If you ever have an engine light come on in your car, you better take it to the shop and get it looked at because if you ignore it, And you can make the decision to act like it's not there, to ignore it. But if you ignore it, your car could die on you. God gives us, in that same way, God gives us warning lights in our lives. This verse of scripture, he who is often rebuked or reproved or warned. We say, how does God warn us? Number one, our first division is God warns us by spiritual conviction. He who is often rebuked or reproved. God warns us by spiritual conviction. Have you ever had the conviction of God on your life and and a wantingness to know God, maybe hearing a a gospel song or being in a church service or or maybe just, you know, you're you're, you're outside somewhere and, and you just have this burning desire inside. God is speaking to you. He's wooing you. A spiritual conviction, the Bible tells us, God warns us and he gives us a spiritual conviction. And how does God convict us spiritually? Look with me on your outline. A, God convicts convicts us through his Holy Spirit. That still, small, quiet voice inside is showing you, speaking to your heart that you need to know Christ. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit teaches us. But spiritual conviction can happen through A, the Holy Spirit, but also God can warn us through sickness. Sometimes it takes people to be flat on their back before they'll look up. Sometimes it takes a a bad report from the doctor that gets our attention. Through sickness, God sometimes warns us. We realize that we'll not live forever. We see spiritual conviction comes by the Holy Spirit and sometimes through sickness. But also see on your outline, spiritual conviction comes through um, sweetness what do you mean, Pastor Paul, by sweetness? The sweet things in life. Maybe your marriage to your wife or your husband. Maybe, you know, having children. We have grandchildren. The sweet things in life point us to God. It's God's warning sign. It's his rebuke. It's his reprove that God is convicting you that he exists and he wants to have a relationship with you. But also God warns us and he convicts us, the spiritual conviction, through the teaching and the preaching of God's inerrant inspired word. God warns us through the scriptures. That's why it's good to be in a Bible-believing, preaching church. And your pastor, Pastor Jimmy, is one of the best expositors that I know of the scriptures. Cindy, when we were at seminary over 20 years ago, she had she wasn't sure she had gotten saved after I had gotten saved. But when we went to seminary, under the preaching Day in and day out in our chapel service, we had a guest preacher and she went and she walked the aisle and she got saved through hearing the preaching of God's word. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says it it is through hearing the scripture that we come to know Christ by hearing the word of God. So we see spiritual conviction takes place through the Holy Spirit, through sickness, through sweetness, through the scripture. And also we know that God convicts us through his godly servants. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, an elder. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a radio uh, broadcast or a television show where you you heard the gospel. You heard a Bible-believing, preaching teacher or, or some servant of God. God convicts us through the Holy Spirit, through sickness, through sweetness, through the scripture, through his servants. That is, he who is often reproved, we see, number one, we see spiritual conviction. But moving on, when this verse really impacts me and shakes me to the core, we see, secondly, we see stubborn rebellion. Oftentimes, people rebel. Look at our verse of Scripture. We see the love of God that God often convicts us because he loves you. He who is often rebuked but yet hardens his neck, that stubborn rebellion. And you've seen it. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been stubborn and maybe you, rebelled, you have rebelled in your own life against God. But how do people rebel against God? Look on your outline. People rebel, A, through procrastination. We're good at procrastinating, aren't we? Tomorrow's letters never get written. Procrastination is, is how we rebel. We, we, we tell God, Maybe tomorrow I'll get saved and maybe tomorrow I'll come to church. But Proverbs 27 says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day will bring forth. Hebrews chapter 3 says this, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. People harden their hearts and they become stubborn and rebellion. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that now, today is the day of salvation. People rebel. They have conviction in their life. And then oftentimes they harden their neck and they become stubborn and they rebel. A true story. We all know who Billy Graham is. The greatest evangelist I believe The world has ever known apart from maybe the Apostle Paul but Billy Graham tells the story that in 1961 he was awakened in the middle of the night and he had a deep burden and we know that Billy Graham was the 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 pastor if you will to all the presidents and he knew a lot of the movie stars and a lot of the famous athletes but he was awoken one night he was in a hotel room in Seattle Washington (laughs) He was awakened in the middle of the night with a deep, deep burden to pray for Marilyn Monroe. He was obedient to the spirit and he prayed for her. The next morning, the same thing happened. He was burdened again to pray for the famous movie star. He prayed again and the burden wouldn't leave him. So he talked to one of his assistants. He instructed one of his assistants to get in touch with Marilyn Monroe's agent. And he wanted to set up a meeting and talk with Marilyn Monroe. And he wanted to talk to her about the Lord. The report got back to Billy Graham. Marilyn Monroe's agent said perhaps in two weeks. Well, Let me tell you something, two weeks was a little bit too late. Because in two weeks, she shocked the world when she committed suicide. Procrastination. Spiritual conviction takes place in your life. But in many people, stubborn rebellion wells up and they procrastinate and they put it off for tomorrow. Also, people rebel against God, not only through procrastination, but through pride. How many times have you heard someone say, well, I've led a good life. I've lived a life better than those people at the church. I'm basically a good person. I don't need to be with those hypocrites at that church. Or maybe someone says, I don't need to get up and come down and respond during the invitation. I don't need to walk down the aisle. People in pride keeps people from knowing Christ. The, you know, some people say, well, I've lived a good life, but you know what? They're not acknowledging their own sin. We all have sinned. We all heard it through the testimony this morning. We all have made mistakes. We all have failed and we need to have forgiveness. That's the love of God. So we see people rebel against God through procrastination and through pride. And then also the Bible teaches people not only through procrastination and pride, they rebel, but also see on your outline through the pleasures of the world. People don't have a need for God and they don't have a need for church because they're more consumed about the pleasures of the world. 2 Timothy tells us in chapter 3 that people will be lovers of money and lovers of pleasure. People I want to tell you are more concerned about their homes and their hummers, their cars and their clothes and money and materialism and sports and spas. People are more concerned about these things and a stubborn rebellion can well up in people in response to spiritual conviction. He who is often rebuked, that's God's spiritual conviction, but yet hardens his neck, that's stubborn rebellion and we see will suddenly be destroyed our third division is we see southern sudden destruction southern destruction you know th- th- this is this is this is kind of hard for people to hear because i've heard people say well that doesn't sound like the god of the bible god will destroy somebody well here the verse says he who is often rebuked but hardens his neck, will suddenly be destroyed. What do you mean when you say suddenly destroyed? Do you know that you can reject God enough times to where he will give you over and he will will give you over to the desires of your heart? And you know what happens when sudden destruction happens in a person's life? We see A on our outline, destruction of the mind through delusion. You know, it seems like today, a lot of people have deluded minds. Second Thessalonians chapter two says this, for this reason, listen, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe a lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. We see spiritual conviction. We see stubborn rebellion and then we see a sudden destruction. God can give somebody over to a deluded mind. Many of you have read some of the works of Ernest Hemingway. We know Ernest Hemingway was the very gifted writer. He was born in 1899. He wrote For Whom the Bell Tolls and the Old Man and the Sea. Ernest Hemingway was born in a Chicago suburb. suburb. We know that he was raised in a Christian home. He had a godly father and mother. They, They had Bible reading and they attended church. But do you know that by the age of 17, He forsook church and everything related to Scripture in the Bible. Later, when he became 30 years old, his mother wrote Ernest, her son, a note. And I quote, she wrote to Ernest Hemingway, her son. She said, unless you, my son Ernest, come to yourself, cease your lazy loafing and pleasure-seeking, Stop trading on your handsome face and neglecting your duties to God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. There is nothing before you but bankruptcy. We learned that Ernest Hemingway drank at least four quarts of whiskey a day. He was a habitual liar. He was married four times. He had many problems in keeping relationships with people because he lied all the time. And on July the 2nd, 1961, through depression and paranoia, he took his friend's double-barrel shotgun, put two shells in the shotgun, and blew his entire cranium off his body. God can give people over to a deluded mind if they reject him and they, be, and they, and they, they become stubborn and stiff-necked. But we also see the people, when we see sub, sudden destruction It can happen through a deluded mind, but also be on your outline. It happens also through destruction of the spirit through desertion. Now listen, this just makes me me cringe when I read this. Genesis chapter 6 at verse 3. Now listen, God says this. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not always contend with man forever. In Romans chapter 1, because of sexual immorality and sin, God gave them, the Bible tells us in Romans 1, verse 28, he gave them over to a depraved mind. You can reject God enough times after he spiritually convicts you and you have stubborn rebellion to where you're going to experience in your life sudden destruction. And then lastly, we see there can be destruction of the body through death. We're all going to die. But you know what? We're all going to live somewhere after we die. Jesus teaches that there's a heaven and that's where God wants you to be. That's why he sent his son to come into the world, to die on a cross in your place, to pay for your sin debt. And he rose from the dead, which we sang about because he wants you to be with him in heaven. But he gives you this free gift and you have to make the decision either to accept it, but many times people rebel, they ignore the warning signs, and they reject it. They become stiff-necked and stubborn. And what will happen? God will give you over to a deluded mind. And we see that he'll, the Spirit of God won't always strive to draw you and seek to you and speak to you. But then we also see that there will be a sudden destruction of the body. We're all getting older. We're all dying. There is a spiritual death and there is a physical death. The spiritual death is of a person who dies without Christ in their life. I want to end this message by telling a couple of true stories. There was a a very well known evangelist a number of years ago by Dr. Joe Henry Hankins. He pastored the First Baptist Church of Arkansas. He was finishing a message just like I'm finishing here today. He was finishing a message, and then they gave what's called an invitation. And an invitation is for you to respond to what you've heard today. You're not responding to me. You're responding to God's voice speaking to you. Remember we talked about spiritual conviction? They were singing their last hymn and they were getting ready to have the the, the invitation. that's where people could come forward to pray and maybe surrender and give their lives to Christ or, or whatever, however God was dealing with them. And they were singing this closing hymn. And they were having the invitation And Dr. Hankins saw a young man up in the balcony. He had his hymnal open and he closed his hymnal and he stepped out from the pew and he was getting ready to come down and everybody was excited. The choir could see the conviction on this young man's face. He stepped back behind the pew. He grabbed his hymnal a second time and opened it and continued singing. He closed it a second time and everybody thought he was coming and he was. He had every intention of coming forward and responding during the invitation. True story. A third time, he stepped back and grabbed his hymnal and started singing. And he did the same thing again. He shut his hymnal. He stepped out. Everybody was excited. They thought he was going to come down the back stairs from that balcony, that he was going to make his way down to the front, that he was going to ask forgiveness for his sins, and he was going to surrender his life to Christ in salvation. But he never came. He left the balcony. He came down the stairs, but he went out the back doors of the church and left. Two weeks later, this is a big church, Dr. Hankins found out who that individual was, that young man. He got his name and he also learned that he had come down with a terminal disease and he was in the hospital. Dr. Hankins went to visit him in the hospital, and he said, son, aren't you the boy that was in that balcony? He said, we sang several stanzas of that hymn, and we we, we thought you were going to come down, and yet you came down, and you went out the back doors of the church. He said, why didn't you respond to that invitation? I thought you were going to get saved. And he said, I had every intentions of coming down and responding to be saved. He said, but I realized that if I did, I'd have to give up my pet sin. He, he was involved in sexual immorality. And he said, I didn't want to give it up. And that's why I didn't respond. And I left and went out through the back doors. And Dr. Hankins said, well, you know you're sick. You know you're going to die. They, they told me you have a terminal disease, an illness. You're going to die. You, you, you can't enjoy that pet sin anymore. Give it up. You, you can get saved today. And why don't you pray with me right now? And he said, Dr. Hankins, he said, I, I can't accept Christ and I can't be saved. He says, what do you mean? He said, Dr. Hankins, when I made that decision to walk out the back doors of that church something inside of me died. Something inside of me died. God says my spirit won't always strive with man. He who is often rebuked, God often warns you because he loves you. But you know that you can reject God enough times to where he will not work in your life anymore. Don't leave this church this morning and cross the threshold of the entrance and you know that God has convicted you and you need to be saved or God's calling you to something, some ministry or whatever. If you're a Christian, you can't lose your salvation. But if you are a Christian and you're not walking with God and we've all experienced that, we call it backsliding. You're so unhappy. Give it up as the testimony earlier talked about give it up and surrender to Christ. But I close with this. Our last division is I want to tell you from this sobering verse of scripture. Look with me. There's a settled destiny. He who is often rebuked, that spiritual conviction, and hardens his neck, that stubborn rebellion, will suddenly be destroyed, that sudden destruction, and that, now listen, that without remedy, that without cure. There's a settled destiny if you reject Christ and you've crossed God's deadline and you were stubborn too many times and his spirit stopped drawing you. There's a settled destiny. I said earlier, we're going to die and every one of us, we're going to spend eternity either in heaven or heaven. You're saying, here it comes. Here's the pastor going to preach about hell. Well, let me tell you something about hell. Hell's a real place. And any pastor worth his salt, he's going to preach and speak about hell because hell is a real place. A smart aleck boy said one time, well, pastor, I want to go to hell. I'm going to be drinking with my buddies in hell and I'm going to be partying in hell. No, you won't be drinking in hell. We see in in, in Luke chapter 16, we see a, a very vivid explanation and picture of what hell is really like. We see the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was a believer, and the rich man died and went to hell. Nobody knew who the rich man was in hell, nobody knew his name. He was a nameless person in hell, and he was alone in hell. He was in torment in hell. Jesus Christ taught more about hell than he did heaven. Why? He doesn't want anybody to go there. There's a settled destiny. What is your settled destiny? Is God speaking to your heart today? Hell is a place of unbearable pain and unsatisfied passions and unending pity. I close with these two stories and then we're finished. We see this verse. We see the love of God who often reproves us. The warning signs that come up in our lives. But we see we can become stubborn. Are you going to be stubborn during this invitation? My dad, I'm so thankful, came to know Christ before he died. I read this story and I... Thought about my dad. He was a tail gunner and a B-24 bomber, and he was in the Second World War, and I read about this aviation story, and let me just share very briefly this story and then one other, and we close. I believe God is speaking to somebody this morning. You need to respond, because you don't know if you leave here today and you don't respond if it's the last chance you'll ever have. But there was an aircraft carrier in the North Atlantic Ocean during World War II, They were worried about enemy submarines, and they sent out six fighter pilots to go on a search mission to find these enemy submarines. Many of you know that sometimes even along the coast of North Carolina, there would be a blackout, so the enemy subs couldn't detect where buildings were along the shoreline. And so it was in the North Atlantic. Many times they would have a blackout on the ships because a submarine could maybe locate a ship with their sonar and their radar, but they, all need, they also needed to surface and get a visual of where the ship was in order to release the torpedoes. The six fighter pilots, these young men, were sent out to search for enemy submarines. No sooner did they leave, the captain of the aircraft carrier gave an order and a command, lights out. It was dark. They cut off all power to all the lights, the exterior lights, so if an enemy sub somehow identified them, they couldn't see them and get them in their crosshairs. The mission was about over, and these six young fighter pilots were on their way back to the mothership, the aircraft carrier, And in order to land, they needed light. The first pilot radioed back to the ship and said this. He said, give us light, we're coming home. And the radio operator said, ordered blackout. I can't give light. A second pilot got on his radio and he said, just give us some light and we'll make it. The radio operator said, No light, blackout. A third pilot got on his radio and he said, just give us one light and we'll land. At which the radio operator reached over and he turned the switch and he broke all radio contact. Six red-blooded American young naval pilots perished in the North Atlantic Ocean. One of the most sobering definitions I believe I've ever heard about the reality of hell is truth seen three seconds too late. When the lights go out on the road to hell, God doesn't want anybody to go there. He doesn't make robots, but he's given you a decision to make today. By your free will, you can become stiff-necked and stubborn, and take the risk of being suddenly destroyed and that without remedy. I close with this. Another true story in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the dead of winter, the call went out to the emergency rescue people. The call went out to the fire departments. True story. That a man was drifting down the river, clinging for life on a big chunk of ice. And there was no way to rescue him. Nobody could get into the rapid flowing water that was going to empty out into the great Ohio River. So what they did, they came up with a plan. True story. There were three bridges from where they identified where this man was floating down, hanging on this piece of ice, ready to, to die, they set people up on the three bridges and they let down a series of ropes. People were along the banks, they were along the, the bridges and they were watching the event take place. And the man was drifting down the river and he came under that first bridge. He reached up and he grabbed from one of the ropes and he had it for a second, but he couldn't hold on. He had another chance. The other chance was the second bridge and the ropes were let down and people were watching and he, he came under that bridge and he reached up a second time and he totally missed the rope and the people gasped and there was a dead silence. He had one more chance and maybe today this is your one more chance after you have rejected and thumbed your nose up at God so many times and maybe when you leave this place, His spirit won't strive to speak to you anymore. Don't take that chance. I don't know when that is in your life. And if you're sitting here today wondering, have you you crossed God's deadline? If you're under conviction today, no, you haven't. Because the Bible says, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call upon him, that means pray. He had one more bridge. The ropes, multiple ropes were dangled from this bridge the last bridge he reached up he grabbed to hold on to a rope they lost sight of him the people looking down watching from the bridge the people from the shoreline couldn't see and all of a sudden before he came out the other side of the bridge doomed to go and flow into the great Ohio river and die he had a hold of that rope and strong men from the bridge pulled him up and rescued him and saved him true story There's a rope being let down from heaven. And Jesus is the one holding that rope. He wants you to grab it. You know the best illustration I've ever had about being saved. Have you ever have you ever had an experience where you thought you were going to drown? I've had one time, and that's a bad feeling. Have you ever known what it's like to be in the middle of the ocean? and not be able to see the shore and be alone in the middle of the ocean, we got lost on a dive. Cindy and I are divers. We got lost one time in the middle of the ocean and we couldn't find our way back to the boat. The storm had set in and the fog and the rain and we, we could hear the boat, but we surfaced. We couldn't even see the boat. We thought we were doomed. And you know, we eventually saw and we found the boat. It went up on a wave and we saw the boat. We started swimming for the boat and they threw out a life preserver to us And a line was on that life preserver and we were able to grab it and they pulled us in. What a beautiful illustration The picture Jesus is throwing out that life preserver to you. But you see, are you going to be stubborn and reject it? Or are you going to grab a hold of it and receive it? He who is often rebuked or reproved or warned, yet hardened hardened his neck, will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. What's your decision today? With every head bowed, with every eye closed.